Welcome to Bible Fellowship Assembly Sunday Morning Messages. Today, Bruce Royal presents his Mother's Day message, entitled, Giving Thanks from a Dad's Perspective. And now, here's Bruce. This morning, we thank you for the holiness of God who through your creation, through your, your design, through your, your majesty, you've, you've brought this world into existence and the people within it. And through mothers, Lord, you brought each one of us into this world, of which we're grateful. And we're grateful to the God who cares for us and nurtures us and loves us. So we commit this time to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, first of all, Happy Mother's Day. I trust you're having a great day today. This is the beginning of a great day. It's going to continue to be a great day. And you're going to look back on this and say, what a wonderful Mother's Day it was. It's an amazing day because of the people who love you. The theme of today is being grateful from a dad's perspective. That's what's intended by setting aside a day as a special day. There are other examples of those special days in our calendar. But for today, let's stay focused on Mother's Day. Admittedly, it's relatively easy to send a card. Go for lunch. Call, if you're from out of town, send flowers. All of these things are good and respected things and appreciated by mothers worldwide. In fact, my mother's from out of town, so what did I do? I'm going to call her today. I sent flowers. We're going to go for lunch later in the week. All those things are good. Yet, yet. There's one thing missing, and that is to examine the question, why do we honor mothers? Why do we do that? Let's spend some time this morning to explore this deep question. And it's one, perhaps, that mothers want us to examine and to express to them our thoughts. Why are mothers special, worthy of honor, but most of all, blessed by God? The life cycle for us as humans is often taken for granted. It goes something like this. We're born. We're all part of that. We're all in the same club. We've all been born. We're cared for and nurtured. We're raised as children. Taught the acceptable ways of life. Somehow survive teenage years. Choose a partner. Have children. And repeat. You can go back through generations. Everyone's done this at some point in their life. 
Although, as you stop and think about it for a moment, the touch points that a mother has upon us throughout that are profound. Are profoundly motherly. It's not a dad, it's a mother who has the touch points that sometimes we remember the most. Think about step one for a moment. We're born. The scene. Typically, the delivery room of the hospital. After the ordeal of delivery, the baby finally arrives. And what immediately happens? The baby is rushed into the father's arms. No, not quite. Not quite. He may still be receiving oxygen from the experience of witnessing childbirth. The new baby, the miraculous baby that has just arrived, is placed in the exhausted mother's arms. The skin-to-skin contact is established, and a lifelong bond is formed that is unique from that moment on. Unfortunately, unfortunately, we can't ask the newborn baby at that point, while they're lying on their mother's chest, what are you thinking? But with modern technology, we have a thing called the thought bubble. And the thought bubble emerges above the baby, and it says something like this. This is my mama. And this is my new happy place. Right here. The dad, he's not excluded from this touching moment, but to some degree in that point, he's a spectator in what God is establishing in a bond and a connection between a new baby and the mother that is unique to mothers. From this moment on, the journey begins that changes a woman's life forever. She's just graduated from girl to woman, from woman to mother. The Bible verse in Psalm 139, verse 13, you know it well, that God knew each child in a mother's womb. It says this, For you were created in the innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Of God speaking of that little infant baby that's within the mother's womb, you knit me together. You formed me. You designed me. You made me unique. And you made me, me. Even at that moment. We read in Luke 14, verse, or Luke 1, verse 41, it says, The child in Elizabeth's womb. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped within her womb. 
and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, the baby sensing joy even within the mother's womb. The baby is God's miracle, and the mother is host. She's not carrying, she's not only carrying the baby, but she also feels the development and the growth within her own body. Sharing everything. I witnessed my wife Sharon carrying a baby, not to mention twins. And I do not want to experience what it's like to carry twins. I watched my wife, and that was not a, from what I can see, a pleasurable experience near the end. But I, and this may sound different, but I would love to experience what it's like to have a baby growing within my body. Now, no man will ever experience this. But the thought of sensing the presence of a baby within and realizing that you and that baby are sharing life is unique. Something a man will never actually have an opportunity to enjoy. Something unique, perhaps, that a woman could never explain, but only sense that it's God doing a work within her. We're celebrating Mother's Day. It's not Woman's Day. Woman's Day is different. That's March 8th. And Father's Day is not Man's Day. That's June 19th. Apparently, although I'd never heard of Man's Day before, but it's out there. But I would love, uh, but it's mother and father as parents, the high calling and take responsibility of a child, planned and intended from God from the beginning of eternity. Eternity past, God planning and putting this date in the calendar of when we would be here, when we would be conceived. Note, I did not say planned and intended by, intended by parents, because sometimes the planning of parents may be a different thing. But God knows exactly the planning and the time that when we would arrive. Genesis 2 and 24, 25 says, For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be united with his wife, and they will become one flesh. Man and woman shall be joined together, and they will be called one flesh. And one flesh they will bring child into the world, ordained by God. Let's look at the miracle of God's touch upon the womb of a woman who will be blessed to receive the new name Mother. But before we do that, let's look at a few of the attributes 
of the holy God who designed and breathed life into the womb. Our God, the designer, is omnipresent. The word present, of course, it means here, close to, next. And the prefix gives it universality. God is everywhere. Here, close to everything, next to everyone. And if we read Galatians 2.20, it says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives within me. So God also lives within us. Omnipresent. Present everywhere, but also present within us. Omnipotent. Sovereignty and omnipotence must go together. One cannot exist without the other. To reign, God must have power. And to reign sovereignly, he must have all power. And so God is all-present and also all-powerful. Immutable. To say that God is immutable is to say that he never differs from himself. The concept of a growing or developing God is not found in the Scriptures. It seems impossible to think that God is varying from himself in any way. So we have an all-powerful, all-present, never-ever-changing God. And he's also omniscient. To say that God is omniscient is to say that he possesses perfect knowledge and therefore has no need to learn. What is more is to say that God has never learned and cannot learn. He is all-knowing. So we have an all-powerful, all-present, never-changing, and all-knowing God. That majestic God is the creator and the designer of us. And how we would come into the world through our moms. This is the God that calls a mother blessed. Why do I mention these attributes? Because it gives us a sense of wonder that God, who is so magnificent, chooses to bring life into the world through the miracle of child conception. Development and birth. Maternal bond and sacrificial love of a mother. God is so unlimited that he could have designed this process in any way. We could be coming to the world from any variety of methods. Mature. Adults. Babies that arrive from the stork or whoever else who delivers it. But the designer, the omnipresent, the all-powerful, all-knowing, the never-changing God chose to bring life into the world through the way he does. And it's brought in through mothers. God brings a baby into the world in the following characteristics. 
a baby, quite different than God, is helpless. Completely helpless. He says, I am in need of everything. A newborn baby. A baby is naked, but incredibly beautiful in their little birthday suit. Just wanting to feel mother's touch. A baby's hungry. First thoughts that a baby may be, who's going to feed me? I feel like I've been cut off my food supply. And all I need now is mom's special milkshake. Defenseless. I need help. I need help. I'm having trouble doing everything. I need help with everything. I can't do anything myself. Utterly dependent. Mom, I'm depending on you completely to keep me safe and secure. And needing unrelenting love. That's all I need right now is to be loved and to feel secure. All a baby needs. But when it comes down to it, that's all we need throughout life. God, through a mother, provides a baby's unrelenting love and security. And the Lord Jesus provides the adult, provides us with a sense of unconditional love and his security that we are secure in him. So what has God created in a newborn baby? A blank canvas. A blank canvas. Understanding that each painting is unique. Each painting is different, but it's perfect. Each painting is different, but loved and appreciated by God. And the new parents may say, but we're not artists. And God says, well, now you are. Now enter father. Mother and father continue to join as one flesh for the ultimate purpose of parental union, parental purpose and responsibility, leaning on each other to raise a baby and then a child and then to steer a young person to the glory of God. Ultimately, that's our calling as parents. To raise our children and to steer them to the glory of God. To see God as the one who is worthy to be worshipped and the one who is worthy of taking control of my life. To Christians, striving to do our best abilities to create an atmosphere within our own home where Jesus is always welcome. And he is an everyday family member. He's at home with the rest of the family. And he is part of the family. As parents, we openly acknowledge that we're far from perfect. 
and going to make mistakes. Perhaps many mistakes. But we know this, that God has our backs. God always has our backs. Mother and father, we have the privilege of laboring together. And what an opportunity that God provides. A blank canvas, a sheet of paper, clean and innocent, a new beginning. Each generation considers this. My parents made a few mistakes. Well, some may say they made a lot of mistakes. But the next generation says, we're going to correct those mistakes together. And we're going to do this how we feel that God's directing us. Honorable ambitions. Now, God deems us parents to go to create our masterpiece together with the help and guidance of this unlimited God that we previously described. So, well, when you put it that way, who is qualified? Who is capable of doing these things? Are we alone in that? No, maybe that we are closer to God than we have ever realized. When we look at Him openly, we realize that admitting at times that we are overwhelmed, inexperienced, feeling sometimes like we're children ourselves. And now we have this huge responsibility for another person. God is close and brought closer. The voice of the Holy Spirit that helps us and directs us and guides us becomes clearer. Let's look at a biblical example. And we'll profile a mother who loves God and put God before herself. Trusts Him completely. Inspiring qualities of a woman who desperately wants to be a mother. She has qualities that transcend the usual human responses to obstacles and resistance. Qualities that are sacrificial, superhuman for the sake of bearing and caring for a child. Displaying wisdom beyond traditional thinking and maintaining a deep faith in the knowledge and insurance that a child is safe in God's hands. Let's look at the life of Hannah. We open our Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 1. And I'll be reading down to verse 28. For Samuel chapter 1 and verse 1. There was a certain man from Rapathium, a Zuphite from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jerohim, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuf, an Ephraimite, and had two wives. 
One was called Hannah, and the other was called Peniah. And Peniah had children, but Hannah had none. Year after year, this man went up from the, his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh. Where Hophni and Phinehas had the two sons of Eli were priests of the Lord. When a day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of meat to his wife, Peniah, and all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah he would give a double portion because he loved her. But the Lord had closed her womb. And because the Lord had closed her womb, her rival kept provoking her in order that to irritate her. This went on year after year. When Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Alcana, her husband, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more than you than ten sons? Once when they had finished eating and drinking in shadow, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on a chair on the, by the, the doorpost of the Lord's temple. In bitterness of soul, Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord. And she made a vow saying, O Lord Almighty, if you will only look upon your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give him Give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will be ever be used on his head. And she kept on praying to the Lord. You observed her mouth, and Hannah was praying in her heart when her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, How long will you keep on getting drunk? Get rid of your wine. Not so, my lord, Hannah said. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of great anguish and grief. Eli answered, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked him. She said, May your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. Early the next morning they arose and worshipped before the Lord, and then went back to their home at Ramah. Elkanah lay with Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel saying, Because I have asked the Lord for him. When the man Elkanah went up from, with all his family to offer the annual sacrifice to the Lord and to fulfill his vow, Hannah did not go. She said to her husband, After the boy is weaned, I will take him and present him before the Lord, and he will live there always. Do what seems best to you, Elkanah. And her husband told her, Stay here until you have weaned him. Only may I, may the Lord make good his words. So the woman stayed 
at home and nursed her son until she had weaned him. After he had weaned, he was weaned. She took the boy with her, young as he was, along the three-year-old bull and an ephod of flour and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. When they had slaughtered the bull, they brought the boy to Eli, and she said to them, As surely as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord, and I prayed for this child, that the Lord has granted to me that I have asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord for his whole life, and he will be given over to the Lord. And he worshipped the Lord there. Let's examine just for a moment just some of the challenges that Hannah faced as a woman who desires to be a mother and also how she overcame these challenges for the sake of simply becoming a mother. The Lord had closed her womb. As a result, Hannah bore the ridicule of being barren because the Lord had closed her womb, which were the Lord's actions for his purposes. She was continually provoked and bullied. This was not a short-term situation, but went on for years. We read in verse 8, her husband loved her, but was not very understanding and supportive. Says, She says, when she was weeping, Alcana, her husband would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you so, so downhearted? Don't I mean more than you than ten sons? Now, if you were upset and your husband said, don't I mean more than you than ten sons? That would make everybody feel better. He was... Uh, he loved her, but he wasn't terribly understanding, you might say. But she drew support from the Lord. Hannah's response to her circumstance was great sorrow and prayer. Yet we don't read about Hannah being bitter. Oftentimes reading the Bible about bitterness towards God for circumstances, we don't see that of Hannah. Hannah's prayer of faith to God became her vow. If you give me a child, I will give, Lord, the child to you. The reality is that God never gave up ownership. We are entrusted to Him to be good stewards and caregivers of His children. For our children, but ultimately they're God's children. And we are the stewards. Hannah was misunderstood in her personal struggles, thinking her fervent prayer was a result of being drunk. We don't read of any person that Hannah turned to for support during that time. It seemed that she was quite alone. But she seemed alone only to turn her prayers and her passion to God. To pour out to God the things that troubled her. Hannah remembered that vow that she made to God and honors God with the vow. The name given to the boy 
was a reminder of God's provision. Samuel. So Hannah's attributes. What can we say of Hannah? Who represents mothers, represents motherhood. She was faithful. Her thoughts were God will provide. She was self-sacrificial. Hannah's theme was this. It's not about me. It's not about me. It's about serving God. She was a woman of integrity, honoring her vow, doing what she thought she said she would do. Even though it may have been the most difficult decision she made in her life to hand a baby to Eli, the priest, and saying, I'm giving this newborn baby to the priest for his care and ultimately to serve God. She was dedicated to the challenge, to the ultimate calling to bring Samuel, which means heard of God, into the world for God's purpose. She was barren for a reason. And then ultimately when God fulfilled her prayer, she was willing to hand Samuel over. And of Samuel's legacy, we know this. Samuel was used of God to assist Israel's transition from this loosely governed tribal-type people into a monarchy. He was anointed. He anointed the first two kings of Israel. He was the last and the most effective of Israel's judges. And he's also listed in Hebrews chapter 11, the Hall of Fame, the Hall of Faith. And so, we go back to God's planning, to God's sovereignty, to God's omniscience, where he knows this child will come into the world. But there's an ultimate purpose for this child. This child will be raised up in the house of the Lord and he'll ultimately become a great servant for God. His name will be Samuel. He'll be recorded in the Bible. He'll do wonderful things. But Samuel is not unique. Each one of us are in the same circumstance. Each one of us was brought into the world for a purpose and a calling. Samuel had his, we have ours. Samuel was faithful to follow and to fulfill God's calling upon his life. And the challenge for us is, are we faithful to fulfill the calling that God has put on our lives? And we can't say that we don't have a calling. The very fact we're here is evidence that God has called us and put us here for a purpose and a reason. And so it's humbling to think this fantastic, majestic, supremely worship-worthy God decides to put us people in this world and he places upon us the responsibility of the gospel. Not to say it's a human endeavor, but there's a human component assisted by the word of God and the spirit of God. There's a human component to what he's entrusted to us. And so, 
we come back full circle. Today is about being grateful to mothers. Because motherhood is the beginning. But it doesn't end with childbirth. Mothers impact us throughout our entire lives. And today is the day to say thank you. To say we're grateful. Father, we thank you for what you're doing and what you've done in our lives. We're grateful for, for the fact that we are here this morning and we're able to acknowledge you, Lord, as sovereign Lord and God. We thank you for the plan of salvation, for, the, for the, the holiness of your work of redemption. We thank you that we can praise and worship you. As we sing this final hymn, may our hearts be raised and may our spirits just be elevated to, to thank you, Lord, and to be grateful for what you're doing in our lives. We thank you for the mothers this morning as well their sacrificial love on our behalf. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. Come back next week for the next Sunday morning message from Bible Fellowship Assembly. Visit us on the web at bfa.church where you will find our physical address and contact information. We'd love to see you if you are in the Timmins area or drop us a line at info at bfa.church. Until next time.